You're listening to episode 145 of the Mad Chatters podcast, July 7th, 2017. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. I'm Derek, and I'm joined today by my fellow chatters, Matthew. Howdy. And Jeremy. Despacito, single and caponca, surprising Welcome to our multilingual episode. Of the Mad Chatters podcast. Multi-bilingual, that's what I am. Yes, indeed. All right, before we kick off this episode, let's talk a bit about last week's episode where we counted down our picks for the top five worst attractions ever. Uh, we had a few listeners weigh in with their own opinions of attractions that did not make our list, so I wanted to take a second to read some of those responses that we may have missed or that may have just missed our top five picks. Uh, Randall on Twitter says, What about the Wildlife Express train to Rafiki's Planet Watch? One and done, never again. Yeah, I mean, I don't really consider that an attraction, personally. I think that's a mode of transportation that gets you somewhere. Yeah, the place it gets you to, Conservation Station, was number six on my list. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I kind of like that train, though. It's like kind of rickety and it has a nice little theming to it you know yeah. uh matthew on facebook says swiss family treehouse should definitely be shown some anti-love I, yeah. I can see that i i can see it I, I really can um it's hard for me to put it there to me that's not even an attraction like i know it's technically one but it's just kind of like hey you want to you want to go walk through that thing like it's <laughs> like a like an extra walkway with stairs yeah, I can see that. Um, Stephanie on Instagram, that awful pirates show in Hollywood Studios. <laughs> that's, oh, <laughs> that's a good pick. That's not there anymore, right? Right. Um, Legend Legend of Jack Sparrow was that what that thing was called? Yeah, that Gosh. was weird. It was, and it was so like short and small, like obviously crammed in there to eat people i guess i don't know it's terrible you're right good job stephanie yeah um our last uh response was an email from david in indianapolis he said like jeremy i like to think of ways to fix some of the rides if possible since tomorrow lane speedway was on more than one of your lists i thought i would share some thoughts i have had on this attraction what if it was updated to a wreck it ralph theme with a race through sugar rush you could update cars to be electric, thus removing the exhaust fumes and the noise, and maybe even speed the cars up. Plus, this would add color, catchy music, and a storyline. For our armchair Imagineering segment, <laughs> which we um, did last week, too, in our last episode. Oh Yeah, our hashtag segment turned armchair Imagineering segment. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, who, who was this? Who was this again? What name? Kevin? D- David. <laughs> David. David. Uh, <laughs> David, um, 
his real friends call him Kevin. That's why I got oh, confused. Gotcha. Uh, I I like the idea. I like the way your wheels are turning. I still just don't think that that is going to save that attraction. I think the only thing that's going to save that is a bulldozer. Yeah, that is a band aid, which will not be a long term solution. Now, if you wanted to do a really cool like Tron coaster that's out in China and theme that to like a sugar rush race. So you're speeding through, you know, different kind of scenes from the uh, Wreck-It Ralph. That would be cool. Yeah. Those are the responses we got, but um, some pretty good answers there. It's hard to argue with those. Uh, But let's talk about some news that has been released over the last week. Just since our last episode. Last episode, we talked about some big rumors that are coming. But this week, we have some official news of things. The first one is about Epcot. Uh, Siemens, a longtime sponsor of Illuminations, Reflections of Earth, and Spaceship Earth, has officially announced that it will not be continuing its partnership with Disney, and that contract ends in October. So I I think the future of those two attractions, or that attraction in that fireworks show, the future is kind of up in the air, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't really know how sponsorships work as far as are they constantly feeding them money that goes specifically to that attraction i can't imagine that's how it is uh or if they just pay like a large lump sum annually just to have their name on it so i don't know if having a sponsorship directly affects an an attraction or not it's kind of like tv shows where it's like this segment is brought to you by wonder bread well if that you know if wonder bread decided to pull out does that mean that section of the tv show doesn't exist anymore I don't think that's how it is, does. Um, the closed captioning no longer happens. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, deaf people. <laughs> yeah. So wait a minute. Siemens actually did is stopping, or their contract was coming to an end, and it was unsure. And but they did end up renewing. I thought I read recently that they are indeed going to renew. Uh, if you heard that, then it's much more recent than the news I heard. Just a couple days ago, they said when it ends, that will be it. Hmm. The Illuminations news doesn't necessarily surprise me. I think we all kind of assume that that doesn't have a long life left. No. But Spaceship Earth is another story. So with a new sponsorship, though, because they'll probably get one, Economy is doing better, and uh, surely they'll get another sponsor. Good thing about sponsorships is that they usually want to come in and do stuff. Yeah. And so they'll want to, you know, relay their message whatever it is um so we might see some updates maybe a new finale and stuff like that at spaceship earth who knows i'm excited to find out um so the second piece of news that i wanted to talk about is as you might say the news heard around the world this caused uh quite a bit of commotion when it was announced you know it's kind of funny because this announcement is about pirates of the caribbean and it was sort of buried It was hidden deep inside (laughs) a message about Disneyland Paris. It said, new new scenes are coming to Disneyland Paris. Um, It said, I'm going to read the quote from the Disney Parks blog. You'll even notice that a familiar character is playing a new role, joining the pirates' ranks and helping the local townspeople unload their valuables at the Mercado Auction. In the U.S., this famous redhead will appear in a similar scene, at the Magic Kingdom Park and Disneyland Park in 2018, following a previously scheduled refurbishment. That is the only sentence that mentions the U.S. parks 
So I don't know if they were kind of hoping it would get shoved under the rug a little bit, but obviously people noticed it. They certainly were. And the Barbosa figure, like, I mean, that's that's nice that that's coming to Paris, but certainly not the headline. But <laughs> we need to lead with something positive. <laughs> so let's go with the Barbosa thing and squeeze in the other, because I think they knew, right or not, it's going to be unpopular with the majority of uh, traditionalist Disney fans. Right. So in short, the auction scene where the banner has always said, auction, take a winch for a bride, and there have been women in a line tied up, and the pirates are bidding on them. The, the artist's rendering, which you can see online, now shows the sign saying, auction, surrender your boot. And instead of all women, now it's villagers lined up, and they're being forced to carry possessions of theirs that they're going to sell like there's a big clock a grandfather clock there's a big painting that someone's carrying and leading the charge is a person who has now joined the pirates and it's the redhead still the same audio animatronic but she's packing heat and then all around there are like chickens there's there are goats and the auctioneer is still the same and then the pirate that i like who has the gun and just randomly shoots into the crowd he's still there yeah he's he shoots the sign Exactly. Ah, shut up! I'll shoot the sign and the light post and the thing back there. <laughs> but there's no longer, I guess, human trafficking in, <laughs> in Pirates of the Caribbean. Which, honestly, when you say it like that, kind of makes sense. And you wonder why it lasted this long. I can't point you to an episode, but as the one in this conversation who's probably going to say negative things about this change... I, I can't point you to the episode, but at some episode in the past, I made a side comment about my surprise that this was still a scene, basically, and referenced it as, as human trafficking. So uh, I get points for that. Yeah, for sure. I noticed that the majority of the reviews, of course, these are the people, I mean, this is the way it's going to be. The people that make the most noise are the people that are against something. So you can't tell the popularity or unpopularity of something by the comments, but I was just scrolling down to the bottom through the blog and kind of reading the comments and the overwhelming majority of people commenting, taking time to share their thoughts were people that were dead set against it. And not so much from the political standpoint or the political correct stand correctness standpoint, but more or less just from the, the traditionalist side. It's been this way for 50 years. This is the way the Imagineers did it. This is the way Walt did it. It kind of just is what it is. It's like when you watch an old, you know, Donald Duck cartoon and Leonard Malton comes on beforehand to tell you how offensive it is. It is, but it was a different time and all that. That's kind of how everybody's viewed this. And I'm not going to say it's a wrong move. I think it. if we're going to take it seriously, then it's the right move. I never took it seriously, and I don't think the majority of people did either. Evidenced by the fact that this was not a long, called-for, deep-rooted, petition-signing movement that Disney responded to. Case in point, the shirt that was released, I think, just last year, We Wants the Redhead, with lots of merchandise to go along with it, um, tells me that Disney very quickly and suddenly decided to change this very recently, within the last six months, seven months. 
And then, and of course, what happens with people, and I'm not going to say this is the case with everyone who is pro this change, but what tends to be the case is that everyone feels, you know, justified in their reasoning that they they suddenly come to this realization that this is terrible and we need to change it. Oh, and Disney's made, oh, it's about time. And like you ever said anything before, you know, but I get it. I get both sides. I'm sympathetic towards both sides. Of course, hate human trafficking and it's satanic and it's awful but i don't know that this equates with that but i also i I see both points i'll just say i see both sides got my tent on the traditionalist side but i'm not gonna die on it you know matt i have to agree with you on a lot of your points uh i too see both sides of it I I want to make the stand as well. Let my opinion be known that I think human trafficking also is terrible. Uh, <laughs> never thought I'd have to do that on this show, but just for uh, the record. Um, and I believe Derek agrees, correct? I mean, you do hate America, but... You better how do you say it, because I'll come back later and say, you didn't say it was terrible. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, it sounds stupid to say it, because of course we don't. But the argument I saw who are f- people who are for this change, like, if someone argued against the change... Instantly, they were labeled as a misogynist. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, it's not one or the other. Agreed, agreed. And here's the here's the big thing about it. It is not a realistic depiction of pirates historically. No. Uh, pirates never looked like that. That is the <laughs> Americanized, romanticized view of what a pirate looked like in Victorian times and pre-times like that so we're not going for historic accuracy here they're whimsical um the second thing is the pirates are endearing i will say that in a romanticized sort of way but they are still the villains of that attraction and if you look at the attraction as an overarching story they do pay for their crimes in the end all except for johnny depp or uh, jack sparrow uh, which is ironic considering Johnny Depp's issues with domestic <laughs> violence. But anyways, uh, we, we won't don't talk about those because <laughs> he's too popular. Yeah. Uh, but no, you know, the pirates are despicable. They do bad things. And in the end, they end up in prison for the bad things they've As done. As it's burning down around them. Yeah. So there is, there is uh, if you're going to look at it in that sort of overall arcing story, there is some truth there that... that that it is a story that ends with a good moral at the end, if you want to take it. Well, yeah, and then the uh, the original attraction, Disneyland, which you guys remember vividly, I remember somewhat vividly, uh, the whole idea is that they're cursed in this eternal state of having the treasure but not enjoying it. And there's some good moral fables to be had there about having the world and, and losing your soul. So if you want to get really serious about it, we could... Uh, I don't think it was ever intended to be that. Right. No, I don't think so either. But I'm just saying, if we're going to take it to the level that human trafficking, which is a terrible thing and a heavy thing, then we can go to that level. (laughs) Um, Because they're obviously taking it beyond that fact that these are just romanticized, you know, pirates uh, in a whimsical sort of world. Now, that being said, I don't think the argument should ever be, well, it's been that way for this long, so it should stay that way i mean that's never a good argument for anything there's just i live in st louis and there's been a big battle over a confederate flag or confederate um statue in forest park here and 
part of the reasoning people said, well, it's been there all these years. Well, just because something's been around a while doesn't make it right or wrong yeah. uh, per se. So I don't think that saying that this is the way it's always been is justification to leave it. But I do agree with you that it's very random that this is sort of come now. Again, in the same randomness that the Steven Tyler uh, finger was altered at Rock and Roller Coaster. So it is a very strange thing. Matt, I agree with you. I'm not sure it's a good or a bad thing. I mean, if Disney feels it's the right thing to do in order that they might not offend some, then more power to them. I do like the concept of a female pirate coming in there and uh, kind of that whole girl power, Spice Girls, uh, women's lib, feminists. I'm all about that. So I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's such a hard topic because it is so controversial. Like if, if any of you are on what we call Disney Twitter and followed some of those conversations, like it got downright ugly with some people. Um, like there are people who are very for it and very against it. And I, I'll just go through like my process of emotions. When I first heard it, it was like, oh, come on. Like it's been that way. Like this is kind of a silly change to make. But the longer I had time to think about it, I realized that the only reason I feel that way is because of nostalgia. Like when that scene leaves and I've seen that scene hundreds of times, I'll be sad because I'll never get to see that scene again. But if there are women or anyone, like people with kids who don't want to explain to their kids what's going on in this scene, you know, like if any of them truly are offended by it, then my nostalgia really doesn't mean anything. Like my nostalgia is not more important than that. And so that's kind of where I've landed. Like I'll be sad to see it go, but I do totally understand that a scene like that cannot exist in 2017 Disney parks. Yeah, and and I, I gotta wonder. say that well, I just want to say the people that had the knee jerk knee jerk reactions on both sides were the people that lined up exactly with the opinion I thought they would have, and there was and it's just like America, like there was like that was fringe twenty percent on this side, twenty percent on that other side that were just automatically you knew what they were gonna say yeah. before it even they even we said are. The middle ground, though, really came to some good logical conclusions, I feel like, on this issue. Yeah. Well, it's not middle ground. Middle, well, middle ground. Yeah, I'll give you middle ground. Okay. Middle ground sounds like compromise, and, and I don't that's – not, that's not what it is for me. Our society, we are just completely incapable of thinking in terms of nuance or anything that's abstract, that it's not colored this way or colored that way. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm a person that – I'm a – a black and white kind of person in, in in a lot of ways, but it, it's just one of those things. Society, and but and and also the people that, like I said, the people that are most vocal. You know, we're going to get on Twitter and argue about this openly. Are the are those kind of people that get on Twitter and argue about it openly and leave their hateful comments on the blog and and all kinds of stuff? I let us not forget that um, Disney is removing whimsical pirates, but they are installing an animatronic of a man. Who openly assaulted women and bragged about it. Yeah. You talking about Bill Cosby? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if this is Disney's response. Like, well, we can't take out the Johnny Depp audio animatronics like you all are asking for because we're paying him a lot of money or vice versa. I don't know how that works. But we'll do we'll change this scene. How's that? Oh, I was talking about the Trump audio animatronic that's uh, coming in. Oh. <laughs> all right, well. Yeah, ra- wrapping this on up. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along, uh, let's start with our first segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
Good, Bad, and Ugly. This is a segment in which we look at an aspect of the Walt Disney Parks and we evaluate if they are good, bad, or ugly. But of course, we always qualify by saying that bad does not mean bad. It's like that gray area Matt was just talking about. Bad does not mean bad. It just kind of means uh, could be improved. But ugly, well, it's ugly. It's like your middle school uh, yearbook. It's ugly. <laughs> Toss it out. <laughs> just yeah. just no hope. Um, just kidding, kids. It gets better. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need proof of that, tweet at me and I'll tweet you my middle school picture <laughs> compared to now. All right. Um, so today's uh, good, bad, ugly topic is use of screens in a Disney park. Okay, I'll go first. Does it have to be like a traditional rectangle screen or like the use of... Projection on a on a thing. Okay, good. A flat surface or curved screen-like surface. That's a good definition, that, and that helps me. Because mine is kind of both. It's in Navi River Journey. And there are two instances I'm thinking of specifically. So spoiler, if you don't want to know anything about this ride before you ride it. Uh, but my favorite thing they do is there are these big flat leaves above you. And projected onto them are like the lines that make it look like leaves. And then on the other side projected onto it are like shadows to where you can kind of, it's as if you can see through the leaf, like it's translucent and you're seeing animals run on top of the leaves. And the mo it's motioned, uh, what's the word? It's like, it's basically like an audio animatronic leaf that bounces up and down to the timing of when this shadow lands on it. So it looks like animals are scampering around on the other side of this leaf. Yeah. It is the coolest technology, the coolest, it's just like the tiniest use of making you feel like there are animals all around you, but it's all projection and just robot. It's so cool. And the other one is to your left, there's a big fallen branch and projected on this are like little scampering caterpillars that are climbing into the holes and disappearing into little crevices. And you could look at it for a few seconds and swear that these are real creatures but it's all projected onto it. It's, they, oh gosh, they just killed it with the projection in this. And actually there, I say that, but there are a few moments where I'm like, I don't know if I would have done screens there, but those two moments specifically, they knock it out of the park. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Mine is also in Pandora, the world of Avatar, and it is uh, Avatar Flight of Passage. And this might be because I, I've only ridden it once with Derek that day. I, it might have been because I convinced myself not to uh, not to look around and as to spoil the the effect um, like you would on Soarin' or something. You just look around and you can see the edge of the screen and there's other people besides you and all this stuff. Um, I, I didn't do that. And I think that's what enhanced my first ride on this uh, attraction. Uh the best and i've already bragged about the transition and that might be 90 percent of the reason I, l I like this attraction so much is the transition from sitting in the room and then linking to your avatar quote unquote and then suddenly you're you're there i felt like we were so really close to the screen and i think it was just vast and of course the projection is way better than anything on soren and it's 3d and uh all that combined just makes that screen-based system work really really well and i think it's an awesome attraction yeah i'd agree with that as well so it looks like pandora has finally perfected the uh 
screen technology. Well, I have not been to Pandora, <laughs> and so oh. my pick is not there. Okay, so you speak for the commoners then. <laughs> oh, totally kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> How dare you? Um, my pick, I don't know if this counts as a screen, but it's my pick, so stick it in your ear. And that is at the seas with Nemo and friends, and the projection that is done into the actual live tanks using the Nemo characters. I guess that's a screen. It's kind of... Yeah. It's a clear screen um, that happens to be a living backdrop. And I think it's great. Um, the, I remember the first time seeing it, like, being like, wait, what? Because you like, if you don't actually see the fish, which some of the tanks seem to be fishless, uh, you think it's just like a blue background. But then, like, the dolphin will swim by, and you're like, that... That was a really realistic looking dolphin. And uh, they did a good job with making the, the characters look like they're actually in the tanks. Especially the starfish. That really does look like he's on the glass as well. So there's some depth there that uh, I think is probably not... Maybe it is easy to do. I was going to say, I don't think it's easy to, to, to do that. But maybe it is. And uh, it's just a cool effect. Yeah, that's funny that you say that. Because when we got off of it with my parents... They commented on how short it was, and they were like, "Well, that was that was okay." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess I just like that they mixed the cart or the animated fish with the real fish." And they're both like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Those were real fish in there?" <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving on to bad, which is screen-based technology that we think could be improved upon. I'm going to take us to s- somewhere where I've actually mentioned this before, but the the attic scene in the haunted mansion. I, I like what they're doing. I get it. I don't think you necessarily need to change what you're doing. You just need to do it better. Her projected face is terrifying, but like not in the way they want it to be. It's yeah. terrifying because it doesn't quite look like it should be on her face. Yeah. And it's not quite on her face. Like, there's just something a little bit off about it. Like, the the Frozen characters, I feel like, are a lot better. I don't think they're perfect, but Anna and Elsa, it feels like they're actual faces. But this one doesn't feel like her face. I think they're using, like, projection mapping on her. Whereas I feel like the projection on the dwarves and um, the Frozen characters is almost, like, within, within the head. You're right. You don't think the bride's within... I, maybe not. I don't know. I just get the feeling like she's a static figure and they're projecting that. Um, they're projecting the image on her and it doesn't just, it just, I know what you mean. It doesn't quite match. It's like something superimposed on it. Like, mm, is that really there? I applaud them the efforts. I just, they need to do whatever they're doing with Anna and Elsa. Do, do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can't be that hard. I don't want you to necessarily like that. I don't want you to necessarily change. I just want you to do the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Derek, my bad also comes. How is this happening? From the haunted mansion. Whoa. Yeah, and it is the finale. And I've heard lots of people, especially when it opened, when it, when they when they started doing this. Um, I've heard lots of people just go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about how cool they think this is. But I, from the beginning, I don't. I have never been impressed by the new ending with the hitchhiking ghosts. I don't. 
so, like with the with the lady, the the bride, it it doesn't ever quite match up with what's going on in the car. Like it's supposed to be this really ultra high tech thing that maps, you know, who's in the vehicle, how tall they are, where they're sitting, if there's one person, three people, two people. And it like instantly creates this little short with uh, Ezra, Gus, or help me out, Phineas, Phineas. Belshazzar, Belshazzar, <laughs> Raphael. Well, this projection is terrible, and <laughs> like the heads are always like you know when the guy shines the lights on your heads and it makes them disappear, and it's like. Like my head is always like just to the left of, of where it is, or like when he swaps your faces or swaps your heads or something. It's like it's like not quite on your head. Uh, I just don't feel that it 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 does what they thought it was going to do. And when I go back and watch videos of either uh, international haunted mansions where they still have the traditional uh, hitchhiking ghosts or old videos of Walt Disney World, I'm like you know it was hokey and it was like old. But it, it worked, and it, I just don't think there was any need to plus it. It gave, let me say it this way, it also gave it a, a, a bit more whimsy than I think is appropriate for the Haunted Mansion. Can I say it that way? Yeah. Because it's whimsical. I mean, it, it is whimsical. I mean, you got like a 60s monster rock thing, jamboree, Dixieland going on in the graveyard, but it's tasteful. I feel like this crosses the line into like, you know, there's shenanigans. And when there's shenanigans, I'm always like in Shrek and SpongeBob mode. I'm not in Haunted Mansion mode. So I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. I agree with that. But I also agree that the biggest problem is that it simply doesn't work. Like you kind of look at the other guest faces in the Doom Buggy beside yours. And they kind of have like a blank, like, what's what's happening? <laughs> I don't get what this yeah. is. Oh, there's a ghost. What? Yeah, what happened? What's he doing? And so for that reason... I applaud the technology, and I see that it's very advanced, and, and I applaud that, but it, there there's some major improvements that could be made to make this work. Don't change. Just be better. Yep. Uh, my uh, bad is Grand Fiesta Tour, and I put Grand Fiesta Tour because there are some scenes that are good uses of screens, for instance. The scene where Donald like swims up and it looks like the the water puddle, I guess you could say. Um, that's a good good use of a screen where you're able to kind of incorporate that there. Uh, but then there's lots of examples of bad screens, particularly like um, just just how they kind of put a screen there and it's not really like in the surrounding scene around it. It's just like sticks out like a sore thumb. That to me is lazy. They, they miss an opportunity there. Yeah, screens were always part of this attraction, right? Like, even it, when we, even it was El Rio... Del Tiempo. Del Tiempo. Yeah, yeah. it was. See? It was weird, weird stuff going on in there. That's right. <laughs> My multi-bilingualness coming out again. Um, yeah, and, and even some of the scenes that are still featured, like the rock where the guy dives, like, that was in El Rio Del Tiempo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just minus the cartoon. Right. Donald it's did. still... Yeah, it's still the same, like, footage, at least in, in that, in the, the diving, the rock diving scene is. Matt, I think of you and laugh every single time I see the scene where the chef has the knives, and he's not quite making eye contact with where the birds are, but he's just, like, swirling his head in a big circle. <laughs> it's like, that's not where they are. 
And just over the top, just overly dramatic, like... <laughs> Our <laughs> listeners cannot see you. They, they, <laughs> this is an audio podcast. Uh, anyways, Matt just did a little twirl of his head, and it was very dramatic for the... <laughs> Stared into the distance where, where <laughs> uh, is not. Anyways, but I think a good use of a screen is where it doesn't look like a screen. For instance, that puddle doesn't look like a screen. It looks like a puddle, you know, in a sense. Uh, so when you just have like a rectangular screen hanging there, it's very obtuse. Obtuse? Obtrusive? I don't know. I'm going with obtuse. I like it. No, I think it's it works. It's the opposite of acute. Like when something's tiny and acute. It's, yeah. That brings us to our ugly. And for my pick, I'm actually going to talk about a scene we've already mentioned on this episode. It's the descent from Spaceship Earth. I just... It's such a serious attraction that's so well done. And I think there is part of you when you get to the the climax where it's just like stars and you're at the top and she's saying, you know, what will our future bring next? I think it really does kind of make you ponder a little bit, you know, and feel grateful for how far we've come and feel excited about the future. But then I feel like the animation on that scene really takes you out of it. And it worked the last time I wrote it, but the 10 times I wrote it before then, it did not capture my face. And it was just like a cartoon face on there, which kind of is half the fun when you get to see your face. Well, and like sometimes it takes the picture of your face, but then like it captures like the surrounding around you. So let's say you got like a massive goiter off the side of your face. Exactly. That is what happened last time. I hope that if a new sponsor makes a big change to this attraction, this is the thing they change first. And I know that that's one of the newest things. So maybe Disney will be like, no, this is still new. We can't get rid of it. But the more I ride it, I'm like, this this section doesn't fit. It feels kind of cheesy. And have the screens always been part of it? And they just got a new show for it? Or were the screens new in 2007? No, they weren't. They were they were changed. That was included in, in the t- 2007 redo. It used to be like, there used to be a whole like series of scenes I wouldn't say animatronics. They were more like static figures and stuff coming down. But there's always been like various scenes on on the descent. Only when the screens were introduced did they go to all the weird, just strange lights and darkness and all that stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, I just I just think it doesn't really fit that attraction. And I would like to see them do something else entirely. Me too. It was cute at first, but when the pictures don't work, and you know, after the first one or two times, it's like, okay, this stick is the stick is up. You know, I can only make so many funny faces to make this enjoyable. <laughs> uh. Well, t- and two thousand two thousand seven. That's pre Snapchat days, so we yeah. weren't quite used to these fun filter things. You know, now it's every day. So, Lord, don't give Disney any ideas. <laughs> And now um, we communicate with filters that make us look like polar bears eating fish, and then they'll put that at the end. I don't know. Um, my I ugly snap filter. I don't have that filter on my Snapchat. Uh, I think it's just on my phone, like the <laughs> camera. Um, my ugly. I'm just following Derek around. Comes from Epcot, and it comes from the seas with Nemo and friends. Um, 
I agree with Jeremy that that use of screens at the end is wonderful. And that is worth the ride. The rest of the ride is a piece of garbage. And (laughs) as soon as you start the thing, you're like, oh, 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 okay. Like projected fish on. It looks like it. it's the way that the lighting is. Again, it's like it suffers from the Winnie the Pooh syndrome. You know, when you're doing a dark ride and you're supposed to be immersed in this animated environment, you know, like actual stage lighting and stuff does not do the sets any favors. You need that good old traditional black light to make that work. When you're just lighting it with traditional like stage lighting, and especially I think it's the space between your vehicle and the actual set, like the coral and and the, the reef and all that stuff, it feels like I'm riding through like a playground that would be like connected to the aquarium restaurant there in Nashville. Like if we had okay, we got a little kids playground and it's coral reef themed. That's what I feel like I'm riding through. And in, in the openings, they're just, I mean, it's just shameless projecting of these fish on there and Nemo and all that stuff. There's one time when it works, and it's the smallest little odd place in the whole thing. And I'm going to make you look for it. When you go through and you get to the section with the sharks, um, past Bruce and all that stuff, there's a little tank or, or, or it's like a piece of a it's a piece of the thing that that they're swimming in trying to escape the sharks it's sitting on the ground and i don't know if it's because the background of the actual piece is up against the screen but it looks really really good but that's it just that one time and it's just the one it's just nemo and he randomly just like swims in and out of there everything else about the projections and the screens and that is just tasteless and awful now that you brought this up i find it offensive that in the 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 scene with oh gosh the turtles what's the turtle's name crush yeah like you can see where it's being projected from right there on the floor yeah like they didn't yeah. even try to hide it at all no. like it's like right there i mean and that... i'm like why is this room square oh, that's the first thing i'm looking at <laughs> i'm like why is this a square like why am i going down like a hallway right now cuz you literally are yeah nothing <laughs> Nothing about any of that until the end is is remotely immersive or impressive or even charming. It even lacks that. It's just not not any of those things. Good call on that one. Okay, my uh, ugly controversy is Soren. Um, I think again, <laughs> that sort of concave giant screen may have been cool when it first opened but i think we've advanced so much further than that and a ride like soren where you are literally flying through the world needs more epicness in its presentation and i think that's where a lot of people were disappointed with soren around the world because i think we thought it was going to be taken to another level and it was kept on the same level uh i'm particularly thinking about like forbidden journey over at universal and uh, Green Gods, where they've incorporated screens in a good way, in a bad way. But mm-hmm. in that sense that you're you're moving through sets and screens, that's the kind of ride vehicle and, and layout I would love to see for, for, for Soren in the future. 
Uh, I think that would be kind of a cool thing where you're actually wisping through and flying, going to different scenes and using screens that way around the world. Along with physical sets? Along with some physical sets, but even if you, you could limit those and still get the same sensation, I think. It just feels very stagnant. Now, I know, you know, Soren has a place in people's hearts and, and it, it, people like it. It's a crowd pleaser. Uh, I just think it could be taken to another level. It's sitting at a six. It could easily go to a nine. You know, I'd agree with that. After riding Fly the Passage three times and being placed in three different parts of the screen, I can honestly say that all three experiences felt exactly the same to me, which is good. Like, you want that to be the case. Whereas the more I ride Soren, the more I realize that there is a very small cluster of seats in the middle that give you that perfect view. And so many seats on the outer rim are just not as good. There is maybe two. The top or middle of the middle section. Anywhere else is you just you're done. Yeah, it it was a big shame sitting on the bottom row and on the far right this last time I wrote it. Cause you see legs, you see all the rails underneath the screen, everything's curved because you're so far away from the middle, like the Eiffel Tower. It's kind <laughs> of a bummer. Well, that wraps up another episode of Good, Bad and Ugly. Whatever it is. <laughs> Take ugly. Confessions, confessions, confessions. I own 15 coffee mugs from Disney Parks, and it's still not enough. It will never be enough. Disney, Disney, Disney. Confessions, confessions, confessions. When I hear people clearly confused about directions in the park, I just let them go without bothering to help. Then I wait about five or ten minutes. And I like to think to myself, I wonder what they're doing right now. Disney. 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 Confessions. 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 I genuinely think that Brave is a good movie and underrated and underappreciated by people. Like, Merida is a tough chick who doesn't take crap from anybody. And she should be an icon for feminism amongst the other Disney princesses. Disney. Confessions, confessions, confessions. If there was a bibbity bobbity boutique that transformed grown men into power line for a day, I'd probably pay for that. Disney, Disney, Disney. Confessions, confessions, confessions. I don't want to wish the man harm, but if Josh Gad was never heard of again, I would be totally fine with that. Disney. Confessions, confessions, confessions. On a recent visit to Walt Disney World, there was a fly in my cup at a restaurant. I took the fly out and didn't say anything to anyone because I didn't want the restaurant to look bad to other people. Disney, Disney, Disney. Confessions, confessions, confessions. 
When Matt decided to join me at Pandora in its opening week, I had already booked a fast pass for Flight of Passage. He had not. So I walked up to the entrance, I scanned my magic band, and then Matt scanned his right after me. When the light turned red, we pulled the whole, that's weird, why didn't it work? We're together. And they let us both in. Disney, Disney, Disney. Confessions, confessions, confessions. I once almost crapped my pants in line at the Tower of Terror. Disney, Disney, Disney. Confessions, confessions, confessions. I once did crap my pants on the way out of Disney Springs. joined today by a special guest whose voice might sound familiar if you've listened to any of the hundreds of episodes of a little podcast called Wedway Radio, or more recently, he can be heard discussing Disney history, listery, and news on his new show, The 3028. It's Matt Parrish. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Let's talk about your show for a second. The title, 3028. I believe that's a reference to... My waist size. <laughs> uh, no, it's one of Walt Disney's homes, right? It was, yeah. You kind of gave away my my secret, though. But it's uh, that was Walt's a house that Walt's parents owned in Kansas City at uh, Bellefontaine Street, and then he went to World War One, uh, and then later came back, and I think it was Uncle Robert's house or something, and he he shot the first Alice videos in the uh, the Alice comedy videos in the detached garage. And that's still there. So I named the show after that because I'm from Kansas city. And then that was his home there. One of many, I'm sure. But uh, that one for sure. Now, do you live in that home? Did you, did you purchase that home? Is that where you currently reside? No, I wish, um, (laughs) but you know what? I will say this, that home is kind of in the bad part of town. Um, So someone does live in it. It's a two story old, like uh, Victorian and it's, it's kind of cool, but it's just, you know, it's it's just not in a great place. Well, you know, Walt Disney was very thug, so I'm sure he's from the <laughs> bad part of town. Yeah. Do you think the people that live there know they lived in Walt Disney's house? They actually do know they live in Walt Disney's house, but unlike the Chicago boyhood home and the Marceline boyhood home, this one is not going to fetch a large market uh, value when these people move, I don't think. Oh. It's just on the wrong side of the tracks. You That's know? it. If it was in any other part of town, like it would totally be bought up. Hmm. Give it a few years. <laughs> they'll, they'll recover out there. The hipsters will come in and it'll all be changed. Don't worry. Yeah. There you right. go. Now, your show's subtitle promises Disney history and listery. Do you want to tell us what you mean by that? So history is something that we've always done in the sort of wedway family shows actually the show is kind of an offshoot from uh, something we were doing on wedway now and so we we continue with the disney history part and then um kevin my co-host the reason we launched the 3028 is so kevin could essentially have his own show Ah. because wedway radio is my brother and my show so we you know we've been doing that since 2009 and it it just didn't it didn't feel exactly right to have him co-host constantly but then have not have his name on the show so we launched the other show, and he and I both love lists. 
So we came up with the idea of listery to sort of, you know, tag on to history. I love it. it. It's a great show, honestly. You guys work really well together. The the ones I've listened to, I've enjoyed it a lot. And they would highly recommend it. So We have never met in person, by the way. Really? So how did that come about? I have no idea. My brother actually met Kevin. Kevin was uh, a listener of the Wedway Radio Show, and he wanted to blog for our website. And then Nate uh, was busy or something, and I had Kevin come on to the Wedway Now Show, and he and I just... Uh, hit it off as as good pals, and we've been good friends ever since. And decided we had the same kind of humor. I think. Yeah, I love it. Well, before we start the show, do you want to give our listeners a brief summary of your history with Disney or the parks, or why you love them? So mine go back to probably like most people who are thirty six year old uh, white men from the Midwest uh, go, traveling with my parents as a kid to Disney, uh, living in Florida and going to Disney regularly. Uh, Nate was in the college program. My sister was in the college program. So we've had a pretty strong tie to uh, Florida's version of Disney for basically all my life. And then as an adult came to appreciate Disneyland uh, with my, my family, my immediate family, my wife and kids. So um, I've been going for over 30 years and it's just something we do. And people sort of know me as that here because I live in a, a fairly smaller city and there aren't a ton of Disney travelers here because there's not a very large airport. So I'm, I guess I'm kind of that guy here. <laughs> Nobody else goes anywhere. You're the guy that goes places. Nobody goes You're anywhere. the bell. You're the bell of your village. I am. I'm the guy with the book and my nose in the book. Uh, He wants adventure in the great wide somewhere. (laughs) Uh, Well, we are so excited you could join us for this week's Mad Q Party. Uh, To any new listeners who aren't familiar with this segment, the Q in Mad Q Party stands for question. So we have prepared 10 hypothetical questions related to Disney parks, Disney films, uh, just the Disney universe at large. And we're going to have some fun sharing our answers to these questions and it's become custom to invite a guest to join us for our Mad Q parties. So, Matt, as our guest, would you like to do the honors of asking the first question? Okay. I'll have to see what my answer is here. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So, question one. What is the most, What? excuse me, what is one of the most unlikely things at Walt Disney World to get a refurbishment that you would love to see get a surpri- get surprisingly overhauled? I think my answer is fairly obvious if you know me um i don't actually think this is unlike unlikely or surprising for a lot of people but i'd love to see monsters inc laugh floor just go go away i see (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of people would have said stitch right because i grew up with alien encounter and you know mission to mars before that and you know what that one doesn't offend me as much as monsters inc for whatever reason oh uh, there's there's a certain mad chatter who would be all on board with that. No, oh, I wouldn't be. I am currently. <laughs> there's no conditions that have to be met for me to be all on board with that. Yeah, I I don't know. I think they're both equally offensive, but uh, yeah. no. <laughs> you know what's funny is if if you never went on Alien Encounter, Stitch is not as bad as some other attractions. But Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor has no repeatability at all. I don't feel no. like that's that's what kills me about it. Not at all. It came in like a weird era of attractions, too. Like, that's when the uh, Living Seas refurbishment took place. Um, there's a couple of other ones in there, too. And and this one was just the worst out of all of them. So you don't necessarily have any plans for refurbishment. You just want that gone. 
I just want that gone. You know, I would love to see them do some um, kind of hopeful Tomorrowland attraction that could be, you know, kid-friendly and fun. But why not bring back the 360 film? They really don't, they haven't utilized that space. And I know the screens are still there. So it doesn't have to be the timekeeper. And obviously they couldn't really redo that with Robin Williams' voice. So um, I think something with the 360 film that is uh, futuristic in nature, because think of CGI, you could do anything. Uh, the Jules Verne tie-in would be cool. I mean, that's what Paris's Tomorrowland has. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the floor could bounce. <laughs> right. That's always a, a nice addition. Just let the floor bounce a little yeah, bit. Absolutely. Uh, for my pick, I act- this is actually stealing from an idea Matt had like a year ago, but I love it so much. I would love to see the TTC, the Transportation and Ticket Center, just be completely overhauled, like brought into the new millennium, because it's still very 80s, and I understand it, like, it's it, it serves its purpose. I mean, it's just a place to park, it's just a place to get somewhere else, so it doesn't need to be elaborate, but, like, think how much more warm and inviting it would be if it looked like what they've done with Disney Springs, for instance, or even just like a one of the deluxe resorts, one of their bus stops, if it looked something like that, and it's like, uh, it would get you more excited, like you're about to go to the Magic Kingdom, but right now it looks like you're about to go to some sketchy bus stop in Pittsburgh or something, Yeah. other than the music, <laughs> but it's just all metallic and 80s colors, like the turquoise and the purple, and I just think if they completely overhauled that... It's utilitarian. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, it's very sterile. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And they're not going to change that anytime soon. But if they did, I would love it. It's such a cool attraction because it's supposed to, you know, the 1994 refurb was supposed to turn that into a metropolis. And so the TTC was an awesome part of that because it took you to the Science Center and, you know, all of these different areas within the metro. Uh, But they didn't really retheme the vehicles. And so, you know, it still looks like the old people mover. Yeah, I'm actually talking about that's a TTA. What are you talking? Oh, you're talking about the TTC. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, yeah. Like w- where the ferry is and the monorail. It's also sterile, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything honestly, you said before that applies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. That would be cool. I don't, uh, it doesn't serve the same function as it did before when you had, you know, so many daily commuters. So the bus system has really overhauled the need for the TTC. Uh, I can see that. It, it, but yeah. I mean, I rent a car when I'm down there, so I always park at the TTC, and it always feels like there are a ton of people there, but I see what you mean. The buses have lowered that number for sure. My answer is Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. Uh, Not going to be refurbed anytime soon, not going to be touched, but desperately needs it. Especially with the Toy Story 4 coming, they're not going to touch that. Yeah, well, I mean, and when I say, see, I read this question as like not an overhaul, but just like needs some love, I guess, uh, more so. And it, it's kind of rickety. It's been there, what, now 20 years, almost 20 years. So it definitely could, even if it stayed Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, I'd be fine with that. If they could just give it like a big sweeping upkeep and maybe add some new props in there and some new technology. Instead of just that same old point and shoot that you can get at your local skating, swing around fun town kind of concept. <laughs> oh, I love the swing around fun town. <laughs> That's my favorite places to go in St. Louis. Swing yeah. 
Oh, that might be an actual the place there in St. Louis. They're real. Yeah, it's it's a real place. You know, it's oh. funny that track is like the same track as the uh, as the uh, uh, Delta Dream Flight or Take Flight. Oh, and so that's why it feels so rickety because it's really you're going through like the same motions. It was that the attraction that played if you had wings. That was the original version of it, and that one was like sort. I guess it was ahead of its time as far as like the '70s go, but like. Yeah, take uh, Delta Dream Flight came next, and then Take Flight, which had no sponsor, but they just kept pushing you through. The, uh... <laughs> I would enjoy Buzz Lightyear twenty times more if they just played that song, like while you were shooting aliens. If you had wings, just deal with your earbuds. Oh yeah. Um, mine is the Haunted Mansion, and they're not going to do it because it's only been what, eight years since their quote unquote last major overhaul. And really, I think all they brought in that overhaul, I know they did some additions, some some things to the stretching room um, and, 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 and improved the audio and stuff. I, I think overall, and this might just be them trying to get crowds through, um, and there's not a very clear story. Every single time I come into the Haunted Mansion, the the lobby spiel is already like three quarters of the way done. Like, no one ever hears the, when, uh, oh, good lord, what's the first thing? When hinges creak and doorless chambers and strain, nobody ever hears that. And by the time you get into the, the main area, the little room there, the portrait above the fireplace is already, like, you know, decomposed 90%. And, and you've missed the whole thing. Then in the Doom Buggies themselves, the audio is still awful, I think. Uh, it's hard to hear. Uh, the narration and for the life of me I can't and this just might be some research I need to do I have never figured out why those massive like screen curtains are necessary in the graveyard can someone is there a reason for those you know between your vehicle and the actual set like the the tombstones and the, the ghost animatronics I don't know if it's supposed to just provide that hazy like foggy look and, and make the ghost look a little more hazy, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But when you go into the graveyard? Yeah, when you descend, you kind of turn around, there's that massive like scrim that just follows the track all the way around and kind of uh, buffers the track from the actual uh, set where the ghosts and the tombstones and the trees and stuff are. And I'm sure there's a reason for it being there, but surely... 40 years later, we can figure out a way to not have to use that and make that a little more organic out there. That's a good point. It has that, like, you're right, it's like a scrim, and they were using it uh, to, like, uh, reflect or, like, use projections, I'm assuming. Well, they do, like, throw some light on it, like some blue light and stuff like that to kind of give it an, an eerie look, but... It's, it's just distracting, and maybe it's just to me, because I've you know, ridden it thousands of times, no, not thousands, hundreds, and I notice, you know, you start to notice, if you look for different things to notice, um, so to the average guest, it might not make one lick of difference, but I don't know, there's just several things, and we've already talked on this show about the, uh, the projection at the end, the hitchhiking ghost, which I think is a disappointment, uh, so that, I think that attraction is due some some TLC that they probably don't think it's due because it's only been what eight years. 
Yeah, I think that the uh, the the hitchhiking ghost uh, at the very beginning when they first refurbed it, they were working, and now like half the time I go on there, they don't work. See, I was thinking that when you were talking about that earlier, Matt. Like when I first did it after that refurbishment, they had the big sign that said Tennessee or bust. It was flawless, but I haven't seen that specific scene in forever. Yeah, you're talking about the ones with like the 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 personalization. I'm talking about like, I guess it was four or five years ago maybe longer when they actually went to the projections in the first place. That's right. the whole thing I think is, is weird. It is weird. The, and the, I think the only real great improvement were the, instead of having those hanging spiders, they did the staircases that looks better. And then the attic is better than it was before. At least see, I, did we Matt? did we ride it before that refurbishment or was that going on our first trip? Uh, we went in 2006. Seven, I think it was closed, and then we went back. I think you're right. I think it was open. So we've only seen the newer one. Yeah, with the staircase scene and all. You would have been way more disappointed with the hanging, glowing spiders. I think. Okay. Because <laughs> you said spiders, I was like, wait, what? They just kind of bounced on the web, just kind of like pulsated a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's like something from your spinny, turny funhouse. Uh, <laughs> spring. Bring around, turn around, pull dance in Nighthouse. Um, the <laughs> Madame Leota, the last, I don't know, four or five times we've actually ridden Haunted Mansion has not floated. Yeah, I've noticed that. That was neither, I mean, that was neither here nor there to me. But, I mean, if you're going to do it, you, you just, you might as well do it. It's funny that when we pass through there, Anna always says the same thing. Um, she always says, stuck. She's stuck. Because <laughs> her head. <laughs> I guess because her head's stuck in the, the ball, I guess that's what she's referencing. But every time we come through there, she's stuck. <laughs> yep, she's stuck. You're right. All right, I'm going to take us to number two. Our second question is, if you could create a ticketed after-hours event themed around one attraction, what attraction would it be and what would the event consist of? Uh, this question was kind of sparked by stuff I feel like they do in Disneyland a lot more than they do in Walt Disney World. Uh, like they did when Guardians... Mission Breakout opened. They did a whole thing for that. I remember when Main Street Electrical Parade came over there recently. They had a special ticketed event where you could get like your pictures with the floats that were parked on the street. Stuff like that. So Jeremy, if you were going to do one in Walt Disney World, what attraction? This is hard for me because I I could think of several different things I wanted. But I think I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. I think that a nice... Uh, themed event around the Tower of Terror would be fun uh, and you would make it sort of a uh, make it the night that Tower of Terror happened so the party happening out there is the dance or you know the, maybe there's a ball in the in the ballroom at the at the hotel so you have some servers walking around you have elegant uh, uh, hotel guests checking in and maybe going to the party. Hollywood celebrities. You could even make it even like even even creepier and, and suggest maybe it's a, a movie premiere or the night of the Oscars and it's an after party. And then you take the elevator up to your room and instead of going through the boiler room, maybe that night you you take a different you know path so it feels more like you're actually there that evening. I just think there's so much potential with the with the Tower of Terror and that whole backstory that it would be really cool. 
Yeah, and I love the idea of being like the only ones on Sunset Boulevard. Like if this really were after hours and that was the only attraction that was open, that would be sweet. Totally. That's a great idea. That the uh, exit queue at Tower of Terror has always been kind of an afterthought. So I think it, you know, aside from the shop, which doesn't always have the Twilight Zone merchandise, I wish it wish it had. You could do so many cool things there, just that that aren't even a theme uh, party. You could just have a better theme as you're coming out of there. But it, a special event in that area, like you're saying, that uh, dates back to you know when the ride is supposed to take place, that would be amazing. I would pay top dollar for that. Yeah. Agreed. Mm. And what if everybody came, like even the guests came dressed up and kind of in, in like dapper yeah. costumes that are. You can do yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> no, hey, listen, if people can come to Star Wars things dressed like Star Wars people, then they you know, can have tapas. They can have like small plates in the exit queue. Like one could be called "Time Enough at Last," like T H Y M E. Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, nice. <laughs> the meatballs that the monsters are due on a maple treat. syrup. <laughs> oh no, maple toast. I don't know. Oh, that's pretty good. What is happening? <laughs> Twilight Zone fans are nerding out. He's naming episodes that I'm and I'm loving it. Oh, Twilight Zone. Okay, uh, you lo- oh, I you're thought a it's... fake fan. You're a fake fan. No, you I was thinking. Shut up. I was thinking of <laughs> as time goes by from Casablanca, which kind of fits, you know, that that time period. Yeah, yeah. It could be that. Uh, I'll go next just because mine's in the same park. Um, if you're going to do Hollywood Studios, I think you should focus on the Great Movie Ride. And you could like, and kind of the same type of thing where maybe you get kind of dressed up as if you're going to some sort of Hollywood premiere and they roll out the red carpet for you. And maybe they're like, there's like a cocktail. I think you could really make use of that lobby, which is beautiful. And right now it's a queue, but you could like have little tables with little hors d'oeuvres and someone mixing cocktails or something. You could meet characters from the movies that you see. I don't know how many they have rights to, but at least you could meet Mary Poppins, Bert, and Sorcerer Mickey. I mean, I don't know if like the Wicked Witch of the West could come out. Indiana Jones. It, there you go. He would. I hope he looks better than Star-Lord does. What's the alien's name? The alien has a name, doesn't it? Sigourney Weaver showed up for Pandora. She could show up for this. That's right. <laughs> anyway, I, I think it'd be kind of, kind of fun, and it would it'd really bring, like, the whole Hollywood concept to Hollywood Studios. Oh, I had another idea there for a second, but I lost it. You would obviously have, like, big band music or some sort of jazz band playing. And this is the only ride that's open. It's the only ride that's open. Oh, what if, like, Imagineers who worked on the ride were your CB? Is that what's called? CB? No, no, they're not CB. This sounds no, dreadful. It's, it's, it's CB is the character that they're... <laughs> that they yell at. Yeah. Up above. Ready when you are, CB. Yeah, yeah. But your tour guide could be an Imagineer, and they could be like, when we develop this scene, we thought so Gourney Weaver would look more fluid than she does today. <laughs> <laughs> I would like that better than the regular attraction, I think. <laughs> I'd agree with that. <laughs> oh, Sad. Oh, God bless that. Will you pay for this? <laughs> <laughs> to be alone in that park. Alone? <laughs> well, and the other people who paid for the ticket. Oh. <laughs> I would not join you for that. But you knock yourself out. Okay. Well, you give your idea so I can crap all over it. 
you're not you're gonna crap all over it from the get go because mine's gonna be a swashbuckling pirate oh, adventure in Magic Kingdom, utilizing the wonderful pirates mini land that no one ever pays attention to. So Pirates of the Caribbean is obviously open, but all of Adventureland is playing Pirates uh, background music loop. And so whether it's Jungle Cruise, uh, uh, not necessarily Tiki Room, Jungle Cruise, and then over at the Liberty Bell Riverboat and Big Thunder Mountain have added some pirate tea elements. Okay, I don't know what they are, but you've added some piratey elements. Um, there's special food available at the Aloha Isle and the Sunshine Tree. Um, I don't know what you quite do with Jungle Cruise, but I'd, vin- I'd see this at nighttime. So there's some fun lighting and, and things you could do. I don't know. The sky's the limit. A pirate could take over your ship and be your skipper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they could have some alternate versions of the scenes and... Um, the main thing I think would be the area around Pirates of the Caribbean. Obviously, the track, the attraction will be there, and I think that Tortuga Tavern could actually function as kind of a hub for uh, is tapas the theme of the evening. Let's say small plates, and let's just leave it at that. And um, you know, they could do they could do a. I wouldn't be opposed to a dancing thing happening. If it was, like, tastefully done, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that. I was going to say, I want to see you participate in this. Let's let's do, like, piratey dancing. So, like, high, like, ooh, let's have, like, a Celtic band there on the stage playing live the whole night. And they're doing, like, the river dancing stuff and all. Think about two hornpipes in the uh, Dead Man's Chest soundtrack. Uh, it's... It's wonderful. And, and and then you could have like a classic, like think about opening day Pirates Disneyland thing going on on the Liberty Bell with the boat and the pirates take over and they swim up and they, you know, lasso is not the right word. They, uh, but lasso is the word I'm going to use. They lasso their way up onto the boat and they, you know, come aboard and take over the ship. And I think that's, that's fun. I'd do that. Yeah. Pirates is cool because it has like that exotic theme already so yeah. there's so many cool things you could do it really adventure land you could kind of do it i had several answers that were just adventure land themed yeah but that wasn't actually my final answer do you want my actual answer of course yes <laughs> okay because you know you have you have ohana and then you have the spirit of aloha and they're both at the polynesian so i kind of threw that out those as being like a specialty experience because i kind of feel like you can get those so i was thinking like um, a Mark Twain riverboat style, uh, like Louisiana jazz party. Oh yeah. I like that. Cause Walt Disney literally had one of those, like in the early days of Disneyland. I think it was like before Disneyland opened in Disneyland, he celebrated his anniversary on one. So why not have like a special July 17th, uh, occasion every year? I like that. It's kind of like, like they do a very very pathetic version of that with the Tiana's like ice cream social now, yeah. but if you like amp that times twenty, and took out Tiana, right, and- <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I mean, and you could have tapas. <laughs> I heard you guys were into tapas. <laughs> That's just that yeah. tapas, man. 
Because, you know, it's it's Louisiana. There's uh, New Orleans. There's a Spanish influence there. I like it. I'd, I'd probably pay for all of those, honestly. Except the great movie ride one. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. Ask the next, next question. <laughs> Number three. If you were cursed Freaky Friday style, which, to be honest, TBH, I had to figure out what in the world that meant, and switch <laughs> bodies with a Disney character or audio animatronic, who would you want to live out your life as? Now, this is a deep question, because this is like your life. Who would you want to live out your life as, like the rest of my days? I mean, unless you can switch the curse before the movie's over. Well, my answer is Merlin from Sword in the Stone. Because he's not like a magical creature like the genie that, you know, is like, when I know he's he's free or whatever now. Post-Aladdin, he's free. But he's not bound He's just, an, he's just a human being that has all these magical powers and can just zap himself to Bermuda in two seconds. And that's amazing. And can pack up his entire house while singing um, a jolly song in <laughs> five minutes or less. That's great. Who, is, who, who doesn't want to be Merlin? I think Merlin's like the most underrated of the Disney characters. Like they don't celebrate him at all. And he was like the first character to sing Sherman Brothers songs. Like he's awesome. Didn't he used to be part of the Sword in the Stone ceremony, like, years ago? They may have had a walk-around character, even. Yeah. Actually, do you know who was a friend of Merlin? Who? Acclaimed Disney historian Jim Corcus. That's right. Oh. Oh. Wow. He was Merlin. Or oh, he's friends with Merlin. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm going with the Disney politically correct <laughs> statement there. But yes, uh, he's even written an article about how uh, his experience with the Sword in the Stone show. Wow. Good answer, Matt. I like that. I just went with a guy who like seems to have a pretty luxurious lifestyle. He got the good girl. He lives on the beach. He's got a sweet dog. I don't even think he has parents who nag him. Prince Eric. I just feel like he's got it made. I mean, his castle's pretty dope. The beach in Denmark, though. It's Denmark? <laughs> Do we know that? I mean, that's where the story comes from, presumably. What's wrong with Denmark? It's right by France. It's right by Norway and Sweden. It's like the it's like the size of my street. <laughs> I don't. I'm just picking on Denmark. It, it is like gonna. It is gonna like flood like super quick, right? If the if the water thing rises anymore, it's gonna be like underwater. If we have any Danish fans left after this, I'll ask them. I was gonna say we'll have to see how our numbers are in Denmark after this episode's released. It is part of Scandinavia, which is very nice. I think so. It's the only mainland European country part of Scandinavia. Let's see, Eric, Prince Eric. Did he have parents? Did they want him to marry? I can't remember. No, I don't think it's... I think he just lives alone in that castle, except for crazy psycho chef guy. And, and his uh, manservant. Home, homoerotic manservant. What's his name? <laughs> uh, what's his know. name? Graves. Graves? He's like, um, oh, Eric, I want you to be married. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the, um, the Broadway version, which I just recently saw, it is revealed that Eric's father is dead. So I don't know if that's considered canon um. or not, but... What can does somebody know? Like what we just watched Little Mermaid a lot in my house, and so (laughs) 
I've picked up on things I never picked up on before. Um, Ursula talks about having lived or been in the palace before. Like, see, is there like I conspiracy, like, like fan theories about this? Or well, the Little Mermaid Broadway version, the musical does goes way de- into this that Ursula is Triton's sister, and um, and that's why the rub is there because he didn't he got the their father's um, what do they call it trident, and she wanted it, and she got the magical shell that she holds the voice in. And she wanted the trident because she wanted the power. And so there's a family conflict. She's she's the aunt. Well, that makes sense. I get that kind of vibe between them. You feel like she knows Ariel on a familial level. That's interesting. So, like, interspecies procreation is what we're talking about here. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, huh. octopus to mermaid. I don't think we really need to get bogged down by the details. <laughs> okay. What, what question are we on again? I don't even know. Who's Number turn? three. That was Derek's Eric answer. Oh, yeah. That's right. Okay. Who you would be if you could be a Disney character or audio animatronic? Audio animatronic is an interesting uh, answer for this. So, like, it's the are you permanently this person forever or something? That's what Derek I, said, unless you reverse the curse, which seems hard. Yeah, it does. I think I chose... Uh, first, I wrote which of the Hall of Presidents presidents is sitting down and enjoying a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would like to be that person forever because nice. I never get to sit down. And then uh, I, but my real answer was Mark Twain in American Adventure. He seems like he's the guy with all the answers. Yeah. And a cigar. Yeah. And a cigar. He was a humorist and he was always looking out for the little guy. Yay. He gets to climb the Statue of Liberty like 20 times a day. <laughs> It's not bad. Uh, I chose the giant Ursula uh, animatronic. Um, <laughs> he would. <laughs> because I love her. And, yes, and, you know, the thing I love about Ursula, she just does not care. Like, no. you know, she smokes like six packs a day. Yeah. And she just does not care. That's who she is. And she just living her uh, life. Are you you're talking about? You talking about bouncy Ursula in the ride, or yes, okay. yes. I don't want to be. I don't want to be Ursula in the film because that's too much work. I, well, just I was thinking about part... Voyage of the Little Mermaid because she's pretty awesome. Oh no, no. I want to be. Oh, ooh, now ooh. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but no. I'm gonna go with the original one in the Magic Kingdom there. Um, and I just want to park my big octopus tail right there <laughs> and just bounce for the people all day long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I also want to be Ursula. <laughs> uh, number four. Who is a dream guest you'd love to have on your podcast? I'll go first. There's this guy named Matt. He's on this uh, podcast. I was going to do this. <laughs> uh, that's so but, nice. <laughs> no. Uh, my dream guest... Um, well... This is really... I'm going to get made fun of for this. But Disney-related, uh, my dream guest is Nathan Lane because I love him. <laughs> and also, I feel like he would be able to offer some good insight into what it's like providing a voice in a Disney film. I feel like that's a good experience that perhaps a lot of people don't know about or or don't know the, the ins and outs of it. 
and I think he could provide that in a comical way. Okay, but let's be real. You would spend five minutes on Lion King and then 60 minutes on the birdcage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Listen, just because I appreciate fine art doesn't mean you have to jump. Fine art. Well, since Jeremy stole my suck-up intro... Uh, it was really good, though. Good job. I'm going to go with Marty Sklar. It was really close between Tony Baxter and Marty Sklar, but Marty Sklar... I mean, just the history in that man's skin... I just want to. I just want to like touch his hands and be like you. These hands touched Walt's hands. Presumably, he touched them at some point. And no matter how many times your skin cells have have reproduced themselves and whatever, <laughs> these these hands touched Walt's Walt's face. Or I doubt they touched his face. They touched Walt's. You never know. You never know what was going on there. He touched his hands. Presumably. Well, I don't know if it's well documented that he touched his face. I can assume he touched his hands, but then maybe not that either. Uh, but he, he touched his shoulder. Yeah, I can definitely see shoulder touching. And he uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he was like a he was like a Walt script writer, like a publicist almost yeah. uh, for Walt at like a young age too. So like he was a writer, and of course he's had his hands on. Everything Epcot. Um, he's on the, he's on the uh, dedication plaque even. Yeah. So I mean, he's, yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny. I chose Tony Baxter, and I was like, hmm, oh. who is it going to be, Marty Sklar or Tony Baxter? But living, I chose Tony Baxter just because I, in uh, 2013, he was at the D23 convention, and he was walking around, and he was showing uh mary oh i forget her last name anyway she was the model essentially for sleeping beauty mary costa uh showing her the different things that he had developed for epcot because there were lots of models there and just who would want to pick that guy's brain yeah yeah it's the same thing with with uh the same thing with uh with mr sklar and i'd love to have him on the podcast but with him i'd much rather have those private off the record conversations like tell me what you really think about some of these things and I get to pull out my list and be like Monsters Inc. Laugh Lore do you even know what that is? Right. Like, <laughs> are you even aware of this? This is <laughs> happening. Yeah. And he's the one who was at every who has been at every park opening right? Isn't that Marty Sklar? Yes. Yeah. He's been at every Disney park that's opened. If he wrote for Walt, do you think a lot of the quotes that we attribute to Walt are actually Marty Sklar quotes? Like, if we could dream it, then we can do it? Yeah, for instance. Yeah, I don't know how many of those came from Walt at all. Yeah. I think very few. That's interesting. But yeah, both of those guys for sure. Tony Baxter, I haven't heard a lot of public engagements with Marty Sklar. I guess I just haven't. He's kind of older. He might not do a lot of that. Tony doesn't like to talk about himself. Is what I understand. Oh, interesting. Like, because w- w- the few times I feel like I have heard Tony Baxter or like heard of people who got to meet him, he just seems really personable, really down to earth. Yeah, he's cool. I mean, think about like taking the Song of the South and making it into Splash Mountain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah for sure. Who would have thought of that? Like totally uh, plussing up that whole d- idea, making it contemporary and just uh, it's unbelievable. The land, the original land pavilion with the layers of rock and the crystals. And like, he's got this whole 
uh, Wizard of Oz thing in his head that comes out and designs. It's really cool. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Splash Mountain because my answer is Michael Eisner. That's a great one. Because, gosh, I just want to, I just want to hear stories from no, that. Guy. He from, definitely talks about himself. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I want to hear his side of every single story, no matter whether I believe it or not. But also, like in a serious sense, I really did kind of grow up with Michael Eisner being the face of Disney. Uh, like we didn't even have the Disney Channel, so what I got was the Wonderful World of Disney movies on Sunday nights, and he always introduced those. And and so much of like the movies of the '90s that I grew up with, you know, he was a big part of those as well. And the attractions I love at Walt Disney World, he he played a small part in some of those. Um, and I know there is it, the way it, he left, I you know, was a big deal, and not everyone was happy the way he ran with the way he ran things. But gosh, to just sit down with that guy for an hour and just let him talk, I would love that. Any of those guys from the Renaissance era, Roy Disney, who you know passed away within the last 10 years, and of course, Jeffrey Katzenberg would be an awesome interview. Like, how many things did that guy touch as being the head of animation there and like totally reshaping how they did things? Yeah. Like, that's some cool stuff. You could find out a lot of info about the 80s, 90s uh, Disney animated films. For sure. I would like to amend my answer and say Julie Andrews. She's awesome. If you can make that happen, I would I would die happy. And for the sake of hearing cool stories and people talk crap, uh, Dom Bluth. That's another great one. You know, he's got some hate Disney stories that would be amazing <laughs> to hear. That's like the era of Disney that I was a kid in, like the Five O Goes West era and like the oh, Rescuers. Yeah. Like, yeah, so I saw the Rescuers at the theater in the very early 80s. And so Don Bluth was, you know, he was he was the brains. He was the guy behind a lot of that. You know, you know, what's an underappreciated Don Bluth film? Rock-a-doodle. Yeah, I, I loved Rock-a-doodle. Me too. It's such a good film. People don't don't appreciate it. That in Land Before Time seven. Also, I'm just kidding about that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, seventeen. Right, uh, my right. bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, you want to take the next one? Yeah. Okay. So number five, if you could create a restaurant themed to a film or character, like Pizza Rizzo or the Be Our Guest Restaurant, for instance, where would it go, and what would it be like? Yeah, I'll take this. Okay, I think you're going to like this, Jeremy. So, in Fantasyland, there's Cheshire Cafe. But it's 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 like a walk-up window. And they sell... I think they sell, like, cheese danishes. Frozen Minute Maid. And that. If you expanded that into a quick-service restaurant, and it was like you're walking into Wonderland, I mean, that would be Ooh. fantastic. And it would fit Fantasyland. And you could do, like, little... Almost like what you'd have at a tea party. So, like, you could have, like, sandwiches, small sandwiches. I haven't been to a tea party, so I'm already out of, like, ideas for foods that you'd have there. Um, tea. Scones. Tapas. Scones. Tapas. Tapas. <laughs> hey. But it could, be, it could be designed like the mad tea party scene where they have those awesome lanterns above them like you see in Disneyland's Fantasyland, you know, they're like shrubs all around you and I just think that would be whimsical and fun and would fit that area so well right by Mad Tea. Take out Tomorrowland Speedway and make a third of it Cheshire Cafe. 
You know, just a giant tea garden there would be wonderful. Uh, tea garden. I tea like garden that. with yeah. the Alice Maze from Disneyland Paris. There, there we go. go. Mm. And it ends at a restaurant called <laughs> Cheshire Cafe. <laughs> yeah. And remember, remember Derek's idea. <laughs> I'm going to go next. My idea is in the China Pavilion because, you know, Nine Dragons comes across as like Americanized Chinese food. So yeah, I think if we're say. going to if we're going to insult the Chinese and do that, uh, let's just make it campy. And so I want to turn it into like Mushu's pork stand or something like that. And it just be themed to Mushu from Mulan. And it'd still be like that cheap Chinese, but all the menu items would be very like sarcastic and like Mushu would come over the intercom and like, like he's running the restaurant from the back. So that would be like the theme. And it's very like just over the top. But in a way, I feel like it's already offensive. If I went to, if you're going to insult me, do it properly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If I went to Hong Kong Disneyland, and they had uh, an Epcot-like experience there. Just pretend. And there was the America Pavilion. And there was a McDonald's, you know, essentially a McDonald's. It better really be like a stereotype of McDonald's and make it funny. Instead of just like a half-hearted McDonald's. Which is what <laughs> I feel like we've done with the Chinese restaurant. Quick yeah. In China. They can have like the dishonor on your cow. Mongolian beef. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I can't, that's the only pun I have in the whole thing. <laughs> oh, mine um, is the Tortuga Tavern at. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's not. This one. This one is actually a rumor, but it's one that I seriously hope happens. And that is a haunted mansion restaurant. I'm not going to say where Columbia Harbor House is or anything like that. In fact, I think it should probably be a new thing that's out there on the rivers of America, um, kind of on the the shores there. But um, yeah, Haunted Mansion restaurant. I don't even know what you would do with it because it can't necessarily be in the ballroom and it's not necessarily in the mansion unless you actually built a little annex on the mansion that you could access over there in that entrance between Fantasyland and the Haunted Mansion. That would be kind of cool too. Just a Haunted Mansion-themed thing. Maybe it's a an inn, you know, because the Haunted Mansion's kind of set in this little coastal New England harbor. Maybe if there's, like, an inn on the river that was also, like, some extra of the 999 spooks have gone out there because there's not enough room for them or something weird. I don't know. You didn't invent your own little story. And um, they've taken over this... Uh, abandoned inn and made it into like an old kind of fashion pub but it's haunted and you theme all the drinks and food to that yeah that's funny that you say that i was just talking to someone the other day about trader sam's and i said if they did that with another thing because trader sam's is very like polynesian almost adventure land like um if they did it with another attraction i would like to see a haunted mansion style bar with like the effects when you order certain drinks and i'm not even a drinker but i just thought like that that could be really cool if they did that right yeah yeah, the abracadabar is like an attempt at that, I think. I can see that, yeah. But it's not... I mean, the, the wallpaper is like the coolest part of that bar. <laughs> yeah. I need to go inside. I haven't been yet. Uh, I went 50s with this. 
So like, I think that you, that, you know, there's some films that are timeless, like, and attractions, like you said, that are timeless, like Haunted Mansion that you could do this with. And, um, let me think of my answer. It was actually something with Davy Crockett you could do in, uh, Frontierland because they went Pecos Bills, but really Disney was known for Davy Crockett. Pecos Bills is just really a short that was part of the package film. It was cool, but, um... But I think you could totally do something there. Or, again, uh, I, the Jules Verne thing always comes back for me. Some kind of Nautilus-style counter oh, or yes. table. You know, because Jock Lindsay's hangar bar is awesome for, like, yeah. Indiana Jones. But, like, what if you did that with the Nautilus? Yep. Yeah. And Jock Lindsay is such, like, a tiny tie-in, I feel like. At that bar? Well, at that bar. But even, like, to say he's Indiana Jones is, like... Oh yeah, that character. I remember him. I didn't even remember yeah. him when they first. I was like, "Where? Where was he? What was he? Which part was he in?" Uh, yeah, I like that Nautilus. Uh, okay, next one. Of all the attractions that have been rumored or actually conceived and developed but never built, which one would you most want to see come to a Disney park, Jeremy? Out of all of them that I've heard. Probably the Monsters Inc. laugh, not laugh, um, the Monsters Inc. door roller coaster that's been talked about ever since the film. The first person who ever saw that movie and saw the doors, it goes, that would be a great roller coaster. And the rumor has existed ever since. Um, And I really do think that would be a really fun experience. And why they have not done that is beyond me because it's low hanging fruit for Walt Disney Imagineering, in my opinion. But I think they could really do like a big, and I'm picturing even like an outdoor coaster, like uh, take it really high and theme it with doors and just it'd be cool. It would be mm-hmm. like, you know how Gringotts is? Like Harry Potter, I don't know if you like Harry Potter, but like the Gringotts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so like that whole concept, but for like Monsters, Inc., that's like perfect. Agreed. Yeah. And what if you did like part of it indoors, like a... So part of it is like a dark ride inside and then it shoots you out into a coaster. I'm picturing like the size of Hulk at Islands of Adventure. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then brings you back into like a dark re- dark uh, ride scenes. I could get behind that. I trust the Imagineers enough. Yeah. So um, I feel like there's a lot of attractions already so like i am a huge fan of like themed lands and themed areas because i'm old and i have kids so a lot of my day is not spent on attractions just spent like hanging out on main street or liberty square so the concept for either liberty street or edison square probably edison square because liberty street we have liberty square so edison square is like that is a tribute to edison that was supposed it was like a disneyland rumor um and there's this whole like you know, Menlo Park thing and it's it's like a gas lamp district and all kinds of like a big square uh, at the end of the street. It's it was it would have been really amazing had they had the money or the space to pull pull off something like that. But if you don't know about Edison Square, look it up because it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have to because I've never heard of that. That's cool. There was a model for Liberty Street at the last D23 in the Imagineering Pavilion and it was a it was cool. Like any of those old, like New Orleans Square is really all they got at Disney. So 
any of those mini lands, mini spaces, I think are, are really fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, the attraction I always, whenever, I, like, I always forget about it. And then when I read about it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, that would have been so cool. So speaking of 20,000 Leagues, apparently this was rumored, or this was almost like there was concept art and everything for this to go where 20,000 Leagues sat there in Fantasyland, right? Um, yeah. And it was going to be called either Villain Mountain or Bald Mountain. Did you ever hear about this? Where, yeah. Yeah, we're like, it, the storyline is going to be that all the Disney villains have supposedly gathered deep inside this mountain, which I think the original title was going to be Bald Mountain, and then they decided, well, what if people don't know about Fantasia? Then they're like, why is this called Bald Mountain? So they talked about changing it to Villain Mountain. Uh, but all these villains are talking about who's the worst of the villains, and then you're going to be on a boat that's going to resemble the boats that Hades rides on the River Styx in Hercules. And you're going to basically journey through this mountain and the villains are going to catch wind of you being there. And so they're going to kind of chase you through this boat kind of Splash Mountain-like attraction. And I guess they like pop out along the way. Um, and then at the end, you would, <laughs> yeah, boo. Yeah. Uh, but then at the end, you would, you know, tumble down the, your flume would go e exit the mountain. Um, I don't know if this would have fit very well. I don't know if it would have been a very good attraction, but just the idea of a villain attraction in Fantasyland is so cool to me. And honestly, with New Fantasyland now, that would kind of fit. Like, if there was a sort of transition where you go deeper into the woods and all of a sudden the yes. noises that you hear, you hear more animals, it's darker, there are vines, and then you see this mountain. I said this. Oh, you did? Remember... No. But it was themed around the Dark Castle and the Horned King. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I thought you meant this specific attraction. No, just venturing deeper into the forest, like beyond the nice stuff that's there, then you get to the castle. Exactly. You could have a nice, just subtle transition, and all of a sudden you're in like a villain part of the forest. I think it'd be kind of cool. That would be awesome. That would be cool. They go really hot and cold on villain. Like they push villain really hard sometimes. Like fan, uh, phantasmic, right? It's like all villain. Yeah. And there to be villain shops in the '90s, and then for a while they like, did nothing with villains. Yeah. And then Spectro Magic randomly had like that terrifying Chernabog flow. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like. Whereas you, da, I don't da, think da. yeah, I don't think you'd see that in a parade today. Ba, 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 I ba. think that it's because they re-released Fantasia. Ah, that's what it was. Yeah, that makes sense. On the ascent, you know, Derek, in your your little flume ride, the ascent, you know, as you're kind of going up at the end and things are bubbling over, I think you could just transport the uh, the villain montage from Phantasmic there. That'd be great. It's time to say, say goodbye, goodbye to to our guests. It's uh -uh. it's <laughs> it's like a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> It is exactly like that. Uh, that's <laughs> hilarious. I've never thought of that. They just can't quite get it started. Uh, mine's pretty easy. It's the Beastly Kingdom and uh, Animal Kingdom and the long rumored dragon roller coaster. Uh, you can go ride it at Universal Studios. That's right. When I first rode Dueling Dragons, like back in 2001, like brand spanking new dueling dragons that's immediately what i thought like this 
this this is what's coming to Animal Kingdom because you know it's like three years old by then, and Beastly Kingdom's kind of still the rumor. And I was like, this is what's gonna you know they're gonna have a dragon coaster there. And nope, uh, didn't happen. <laughs> I love that whole idea. The whole Beastly Kingdom, original ideas, non-franchise-based attractions, just good, solid Disney Parks entertainment at its finest. And uh, regrettable that that's kind of like the last of those things that will never happen. It would have been cool. Yeah. Number seven. What live-action Disney movie would you love to see get a sequel or a remake? Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is it too soon to reboot the franchise? <laughs> yes, the other one is still in theaters. The latest countdown. I don't know. That didn't, that didn't stop us lately, it seems, <laughs> with these things. Uh, I'm going to give my answer up front. Uh, it's 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 an old, oldie goldie, but I would say uh, my initial answer is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I think that this needs some good modern treatment now on one hand i would love to see it on the other hand i'd be terrified about what disney would do to it nowadays um i don't want dwayne johnson in it or like (laughs) seth rogan or something i don't want any of that going on i just you know he's like the goofy scientist oh oh, we press this button uh (laughs) i just see that happening so as long as it's done well And I think it'd be one of those things, like, not a remake, but they certainly use some of the old score and the the music from the original and just have that kind of overall feel, you know. But a different story would be fine, uh, as long as it's done well. I mean, like, First Pirates of the Caribbean done well. That's exactly what I thought of when you said that. If they could give it that treatment, it could be pretty great. Yeah. I love that answer. That's a great answer. And you have, uh, he's playing the organ. I love yes. it. I went kind of old school too on mine. And I, I had to choose a movie that I didn't love. So I wouldn't care if they screwed it up. But Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Right. Great. 70s. Uh, Angela Lansbury. I think you could totally redo this film and still make it fun. And make it more kid-friendly with a better pace. And, uh, you know, any of those... The thing the thing that's cool about 20,000 Leagues is that you have, like, a guy who's gone rogue, right? And so, Bedknobs and Broomsticks is also sort of a war story. And I think that they used to do those really well. And they could yeah. do that again as long as they don't try to modernize it. So, if it was something said in the past that they, you know, wouldn't use a bunch of CGI on, I think it would be yeah. good. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That would be fun. And I, I do love that movie, but it does have a very 70s, slower-paced feel to it. Yeah. Two and a half hours. It's, like, so long. Oh, my word. I didn't realize that. No, I mean, I don't know if it's that long, but it's, it feels like it. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, okay, fast-forward this scene. Right. Um, oh, I don't fast-forward any of it. I love every single part of that film. Well, now... Some people love it, like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Like, some people... I've never seen that before in my life. But Bedknobs and Broomsticks, man, that's that's one of my jams. Uh, well, I'm going to take us back not quite that far for my movie. Um, in the 90s, there was a made-for-television movie that was pretty spectacular. And I don't know if they can improve upon it. It, it was pretty great. Uh, it starred Steve Gutenberg. Uh, and... I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> I knew it. 
<laughs> for real? Yes, I was like, Derek's going to bring up that stupid made-for-TV Tower of Terror thing. Listen, oh. <laughs> I didn't have the Disney Channel. This was all I had, and it was amazing, and I watched all it I had. all the time. And Kirsten Dunst, like, she could play some, she could be in it now and as, like, an, as like an homage pay homage to the first one and she could play like some old creepy lady so she could be amish <laughs> she could be the amish lady old amish creepy lady <laughs> but i feel like that movie admittedly is very cheesy and not great <laughs> but i love the idea of making a movie out of the tower of terror and if you could give it a sort of spin that I really, really, really like what Disney did with the Chronicles of Narnia, that first one. Really great movie, in my opinion. And I feel like you could give it that same type of feel, like there's a family who's staying at this old hotel, and the kids are just off in there, you know, they're just playing around, and then they discover the secret of the people who lived there decades before and disappeared, and now they're making it their mission to, like, rescue them, and it has, like, a whimsy, magical feel. Um... But also a little bit of creepiness, obviously, because it's the Tower of Terror. I just feel like with the right script um, screenwriters, this could be a really fun concept. But, oh well. It's never going to happen. I mean, like a year ago, it was rumored that there was they had a writer for it. They had a producer or something for a Tower of Terror movie. But it's been at least a year since I heard anything about it. So I thought you were going to say that soccer movie with Steve Gutenberg from the 90s. What's that Disney live action one? Oh, the big green. Yeah. Yes. Hey, <laughs> I was like, oh man, he wants another big green. Well, now I do. Yeah. <laughs> you want heavyweights or the big green? You know, I've never seen heavyweights. That's a great movie. I know. I need to see it. How have we been friends this long and you've never seen heavyweights? I know. And all my friends always talked about it, and I was like, I don't know. Is heavyweights? Is that the guy from Frasier? Kenny Daly. Yes, yes, and okay. Ben Stiller, ben and, and all the little fat pudgy actors of the '90s who were in all your favorites, like they were uh, the Mighty Ducks, Mighty Ducks, and yeah, <laughs> and the Sandlot. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my I have a two-part answer because I have two films that I think I don't know if remake. If they remake them, I'll hate them. So, well, the one, but I I think sequel is probably the way to go. Another chapter, if you would. The first one is The Rocketeer. Oh, I love that movie. Me too. Yeah, I think The Rocketeer deserves that whole, that that whole storyline is a great storyline in general. And I think there's more potential there for those characters. So maybe you have like The Rocketeer has children. Of course, by now that film's so old, he might as well have grandchildren. So you could go there. Uh, the other one is a sequel as well, I, and that is um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I think Roger Rabbit needs to come out. And now it'd be so cool to see a film that incorporated Disney, Disney Pixar, DreamWorks, um, Sony. I mean, if you could get all these major studios on, on board and bring out some of these characters that are kind of across the board. I mean, I hate minions, but you know, you throw some minions in there, you throw some Shrek along with, you know, uh, Woody and Buzz or something to that effect. That'd be kind of cool to see. You know, I thought of that one. And in my opinion, that's 
almost like a perfect movie. And so part of me was like, yeah, just just leave it alone. But on the other hand, it's a shame that like Roger Rabbit, is that all we're ever going to get of him? You know, like he's such an iconic character. Are we never going to see more Roger Rabbit stories? It's a shame. Yeah. But in a way, I mean, I, in a way I agree with you. And, and I, I, I go back and forth with it as well because he's iconic. But to me, he's iconic of the 80s <laughs> and so um you know he's he's kind of set in that like i love the golden girls but i never would want them to try and do the golden girls now because i yeah. love the golden girls because of it's their it, time it because it's the 80s yes 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 like, exactly i get you i thought for a second there you sounded like when you were mixing all the cartoons together i i thought you're you might be referencing that uh after school special about not doing drugs oh with all the... my gosh yes all stars whatever that was yes that i kid you not so growing up um i, I ran into that crap i ran into that crap all the time <laughs> yes, I, that's exactly i was like children i'm gonna take you back in time because we used to not have netflix we used to have to go to the blockbuster or i remember when we went to the movie place and got the tape behind the tape. <laughs> if it was there. Yeah, that's right. right. Or take the yes. ticket or whatever well, it was. We always went to the video store inside the grocery store. So, like, our tradition was... Oh, Lord, I've never seen in. that before. That, that's Missouri. <laughs> that's seriously Missouri. Thank you. Oh, really? Okay. Well, um, so we would go into the grocery store, and we would all go to the video renting part and browse while my mom shopped and then she would come in and we'd be ready to to go and i i rented that all-star cartoon thing <laughs> a million trillion times do you know what we're talking about matt have you seen this i don't think i saw that but it sounds like something that would have happened it was <laughs> like it was it like, an after, oh, it it was like an after school special and it was all about don't do drugs but it incorporated all these different cartoon characters like so you had garfield ninja turtles winnie the, pooh. winnie the pooh i mean you name it alf, alf was cartoon animated yes and i mean it was awesome it was like the b-list group of uh <laughs> animated stars well, i think i think it was all like the saturday morning cartoon characters so if they had a saturday morning cartoon you associated you know with but, then like, they the were in characters were in there too oh wow yeah those are a-list muppet babies this was this was some big deal everybody's so, pitching in and then it's like there was the mcdonald's commercial at the beginning do you remember that with the love <laughs> lifted me yeah <laughs> Of course there was. This has to be on YouTube. I'm going to find this, and uh, if it's on YouTube, we will post this on our uh, Mad Chatter account, because oh. everyone needs to see this. You, you need to watch this. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to move us on. <laughs> That's okay. Um, if you got to make the rules at Walt Disney World for just one day, what are some things you would change, ban, allow, whatever? You had to make the rules. Number one, I would ban the use of, <sighs> yeah, it's just one day. I would ban the use of any electronic devices during any nighttime show. That is my first one. Yes. That's a good one. I, just, I mean, really. It's like, it's like, just put it, just stop. And it's especially annoying and, and grievous when they turn on their, their like light. I'm a video camera this light. I just, I mean, I'm just got to the point where I turn around and say, turn that off. 
Like, just straight up. Turn it off. Um, okay, number two, I would ban those, the rental strollers. I think that they're the most insanely... I'm going to use Jeremy's uh, wrong use of the word here, just because we've used it tonight. They're the most obtuse uh, things that you can imagine to put like it's the two children one the two the two person one because they're just like wide and they're not flexible they're like plastic like this hard and unforgiving when they hit you in the back of the leg uh i just banned those things so i just for a day um and the number three i would just ban people that have uh never been before my word. <laughs> Can I do that? Can I just ban, ban the people? The, uh, no first-timers today. Um, like, th- you have to have been three or more times. Let's just kind of keep this thing orderly. You know, let's just bypass all the bottlenecks and the fighting to get into the theaters. It's just lots of people. This sounds terrible. Lots of people just like us that just know how things work, and we're just there enjoying the parks together. That'd be just one day. Just one day. It's just every day, every time I'm there, I realize, and, and I'm glad that they're getting to experience, but I realize that there are a bazillion more people here that have never been before, and and they're elbowing me to get into the Philharmagic Theater because they think by getting in first, they'll have better seats, but when they get in, they, they realize that they won't, and then, um, and every other thing that goes along with that. And knowing that they'll leave and never come back and probably not appreciate it and complain about it anyway, I can do without that for a day. If you're a first-timer, we really appreciate you listening to our show. And <laughs> You're welcome the other 364 days. <laughs> yeah, uh, my first one was definitely the no cameras during fireworks. Jeremy, you tweeted something the other day that was like, what did you say? Something about no one wants to see your pictures of fireworks. <laughs> oh, no one cares about your fireworks pictures on Facebook. I'm sorry. It's like when when you make a photo album, do you fill like two pages with just pictures of fireworks? Yeah, and yeah. those of you who those of you who have taken pictures or particularly video of your fireworks, that was not there was not a castle featured in them. I'm talking about your normal average everyday uh, 4th of July fireworks. Are you going to ever watch that video again in your life? That is going <laughs> to uh, sit on your phone until... Remember that time I videotaped the fireworks? <laughs> Let's watch it. Come here, kid. <laughs> I... Turn it on the YouTube and watch the 4K version that somebody else did better than you. Yeah. Listen, and if anybody ever looked at me and said, hey, you want to watch my video of fireworks? I would probably punch them in the face. Like, Whoa. life <laughs> is short. I have better things to do with my 10 seconds of time. Anyways, yeah, no, that's bad. Uh, my idea for this was uh, I want no children day. And I think I've stated this before. But I think having a day where it's 21 and over to get into the park, think about how magical that would be. There's no... That just sounds like instant debauchery. Like, just like just as soon as... It just sounds like a, a, like a hedonism kind of thing that would just happen immediately. Like, that's the mentality that would just take over. Stop selling it. I'm already sold, okay? <laughs> uh, I'm picturing a bar in every land themed to the land. See, we're already south. No strollers. <laughs> I'm feeling very welcome here, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt Matt has a little girl too, so. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> Jeremy hates children and families. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's not true. I don't hate children and families. I, I, hate- I would listen. I would participate in this day. Obviously, leave Anna at home with the babysitter. I would not. I would not. I don't want the whole party atmosphere thing going on because that's not my scene. But no, I listen, could, I could go you, with. The, I would. I could go with the no families thing for like. It a is day. not going to be. No, this would be. This is not Joy FM night or whatever that is. This is. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a normal day at the park. There's no debauchery. There's no orgies in the streets. It just it's sounds, just immediately what it sounds like. Well, your mind is no, – I don't know who you hang out with that when the children go away, you guys get crunk. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> normal acting adults don't, can still act simple just because well, – you're the one that says a, a, a bar in every land and all this <laughs> stuff already. I'm like, okay. Listen, just because you drink an adult beverage doesn't mean you're going to be fornicating with everything that walks by. I mean <laughs> – I, I feel you. Okay. I could do a, a day without kids. Yeah. I totally could. Yep. Yeah. I could see that. Um, another one of mine was just for a day, I would add Pepsi <laughs> to all the fountain drink machines instead of Coke. I love Coke, but sometimes I really want Mountain Dew, you guys, and they don't sell Mountain Dew. Oh, you mean like Pepsi beverages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like switch out the Coke machines for Pepsi machines. Yeah, I could go with you for Mountain Dew. I'm not a Mountain Dew drinker, but every once in a while I do want it. Yeah. But anyway, the only other idea I had, and this isn't really a rule where as I, the more I thought about it, I feel like they should just do this. If you fast pass a show like Fantasmic, I think you should be able to pick your seat right then and there. And that way you can show up at the last possible minute. Go get your seat. No one took it. It's assigned to you. I think they should do that. I agree. I didn't like that whole system. The last time I did Fantasmic, I thought that whole thing was a hot mess. And we just waited in the queue, like standby. And they've just made it so complicated. Like, you got to go down to this section for, like, the dining package. You got to go down to this section for fast passes. And you're relegated to sit in this section and where they put you. Yeah, and people still showed up insanely early because they wanted the best seat in that section. And I'm like, well, what's the point of getting the fast pass then? Yeah. Uh, anyway. yeah. yeah. I'm not not in love with that either. My, uh, I had a couple of uh, rules that were in agreement. Uh, double wide strollers. As a dad, I hate them, and I don't. I refuse to use them because they're so annoying. Yeah. And those giant plastic things. They used to be even worse. They were metal and plastic. Now they're just plastic. Ugh. So that's a little bit better, I guess. And then the other thing I changed is allowing all of the lands that surround the castle to hear the fireworks show. Like, you have to be at the hub or on Main Street to know, like, what's going on with the show. I know you can see the fireworks from Liberty Square, but, like, I can't hear what's happening. But yeah. yet I still see everything that's going on so if you go to main street and you try to get there before the fireworks are on they're like they do, they won't even let you stand in most of the walkways yeah so, like yeah why not just let people watch it from different lands and then allow them to see the show i know it's not exactly how it was intended but why not yeah i can get behind that yeah number nine if you could live in any fictional land from a disney park or movie where would you most want to live? That's easy. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I want to live in the burning no, building. I don't want to live the... there with all the uh, pirates doing stuff and attacking and burning stuff. I wouldn't do that. 
Oh, that's right. You don't like debauchery. Okay, go ahead. You know me at all. <laughs> um, no, whatever magical land the Sunshine Tree Terrace is in, I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Aloha. Yeah, just in that fountain, naked with a dull whip. It's attractive. It's an attractive sight in my head right now. Thank you. Suddenly the land is not so magical anymore. Or is it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. Uh, Yeah, I said a part of Magic Kingdom too. I think Fantasyland because you've got like the medieval like castle courtyard and then you've got the outskirts like if you want to go jog in the forest or whatever you got where uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You've got like the castle and you even got a little circus there too. You gotta pick one. You, you, that's a plethora. No, that's Fantasyland. If Disney calls it one land, all right. If Disney can make it one land, which they shouldn't, I can too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always said I wanted to live on Main Street USA, and uh, my, my home particularly is over the Starbucks now. And uh, there's one <laughs> window in particularly that has a uh, lamp in the window, and it just calls to me every time I walk by. And so I think it'd be fun to live right there. Every day is 4th of July. Every day is a party. Every day is fireworks. And it just seems like a charming little town. Well, we're all in Magic Kingdom so far. Yeah, yeah. Every day is a flag retreat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I chose New Orleans Square. So close to the Magic Kingdom. Yes. Uh, Disneyland. I love it. It's quaint. It's uh, authentic, and there's food out the wazoo. There's attractions, there's shows, there's everything. There's Fantasmic. Why wouldn't I choose New Orleans Square? That is a great answer. Uh, palm frites every day. Yes. All, I mean, there's so many great... I mean, that land, it's so small, yet there's just, like, so much to it. Mm-hmm. And I love the mint juleps there. They are divine. Yes. So we clearly love Magic Kingdom style parks. Okay, who wants to bring it home? I'm going to bring it home. I'm your guest. Okay, yes. All right, number 10. If you could have a conversation with Walt Disney today, what is one thing you would ask or say to him? Man, we're getting heavy here at the end. I know. I'm going to go first because I feel like you guys probably have better answers. Um, I think I would just ask him what career achievement he's proudest of. Um, His answer might be completely obvious and what I would expect, but like, there's just so much conversation today about, well, Walt would not have blah, 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 or Walt would really like blah, blah, blah. And I think a lot of those people probably speak expertly about that. and, And I don't disagree with them necessarily, but I would like to hear from Walt himself. Like, what was he proudest of? And I think that would give me a better appreciation of that thing, whether it's a movie or a ride. Like, when I experience it, I would appreciate it more. And I think it would also give me a sense of, like, other things that he probably is proud of based on that thing, you know? So, I would just want him to just gush for 30 minutes about the thing he's most proud of. Well, assuming that I could take him around to the parks and show him what's there now or at least if he had some knowledge of that i would love to get his opinion on what he thinks of the current state of things what he likes what he doesn't like kind of in the same vein as what derek 
it just said because it's very easy to speculate and be like Walt wouldn't like that or Walt wasn't about that but you never know I mean as Matt has pointed out on the show and has changed my mind on several things Walt was a very progressive thinker when it came to making the parks better using technology and incorporating new uh, ways of storytelling so uh, different mediums and those kind of things I don't think you can write off a medium as particularly something new and say well that's not the way walt would do it i I think he would particularly i was thinking about remember when uh, computer animation really started to become a thing and everybody was got their panties in a wad over the hand-drawn animation and walt 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 well walt would have really embraced that i feel like because like you said he he was he was a progressive thinker but i also i would love to talk to walt and get to know him uh on the personal level as far as I want to know the emotions that he felt when he was running the company. Like, I want to know what was the the hardest time when you were trying to set up Disneyland. Like, where, what was the more emotional, distraught things? What were the things that really you feared or you really felt, you know, in your gut or really, you know, I want to see that more human side to Walt than just the corporate side and the, the kind of whitewash side sometimes we get. I think sometimes we, we when we when we see the stories of Walt Disney, you're kind of like, ah, he made Snow White, you know, and then ah, he said, I want to build Disneyland, and I he built Disneyland, and they kind of just make it sound like he just did it overnight without blinking twice. So I want to really hear about his emotions and and the fears that he faced and the the triumphs and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, when you were talking about technology, I know for a fact that he would love Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. <laughs> just saying that's one of the things my, my obvious answer is like just I don't know how much time I get with him but showing him some like okay since 1966 these are the movies that have been made by your studio and and this is what they've done with the parks here's what they do with Epcot you know like yeah uh, he would say Tomorrowland Speedway is still here what? yeah <laughs> I, I, but you know keeping in mind that he would probably be like a a, a little schoolboy seeing a lot of these things that you know we're kind of cynical about, like Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. I mean, that would absolutely blow him away. I mean, he would be, you know, just brought back to life right now. He'd be like, "That's the greatest thing ever!" Like it's animation and it's interacting with me and talking to me. Right. Uh, so I might be disappointed with uh, how non-cynical <laughs> and negative he would be about things that I am. It would be I would just like to say, what do you what do you think about this? This is what Epcot is, and that's not what you said. So, what do you think about? This? And here's Marty Sklar. He's the one that made it happen. So, talk to him. <laughs> Fight. <laughs> yeah, go. This is a hard question. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, I probably have lots of questions, but um, so the package films are the shorts are my favorite Disney things ever. Ah. Uh, definitely would ask him which one of those he would have liked to have made into a full-length animated film, whether it's Wind in the Willows or Ichabod or Pecos Bill or any of those. There were so many, so many good ones. Um, and they had the best artists working on those at the time. I, I You know what? Oh, gosh. I guess I would want to know in the 60s, I feel like he was, I, I wouldn't say he was over theme parking. 
by the 60s. But, you know, he was a futurist, so he was thinking about Epcot more than anything else. Uh, but then, you know, while they before they got to the Epcot thing, they also dabbled in, you know, St. Louis and different cities. And I would really have wanted to know where his ideal place for another Disney property would have been. Uh. Would it be Chicago, where he's or from originally, or would it be the Mineral King project that never came to be, or St. Louis, where he you know grew up down the road? Uh, it wouldn't be Kansas City. I'm pretty sure he hated Kansas <laughs> City, by the way. Uh, but yeah, I would want to know that, you know, because there's been so many rumored projects, and really the biggest developments from Disney in the last 30 years have been overseas. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking of as you said that. Like, would would he would he have picked overseas before a third U.S. location or not? I don't think he would have. Hmm. And I, I, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but that's just not who he was. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe he would have been all about that. Uh, what was that American Disney Park that was going to go in D.C.? Right, right. The Alexandria one. Yeah, Something. that would be. That would be yeah. cool. The The St. Louis Riverfront project is pretty fascinating if you've ever like delved into that because it was like a haunted mansion attraction. It was like all indoor on the riverfront uh, when they developed the arch and cleared all that space for it. Yeah, you can thank Anheuser-Busch for that never happening. I, and that's true. You know, I wonder how much of that was really true. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. Yeah, they say they say a lot of that's true because when you look at St. Louis, um, particularly in the '50s and into yeah. the '60s, uh, it was a growing city. I mean, it was really popular yeah. and booming, and you got the arch being built, and there was a big influx in population, and all these corporations were being drawn to it, and then they all kind of died off in the kind of the mid '60s, early '70s. And they say a lot of that is due to the political power that the Bush family wielded for Anheuser-Busch, that yeah. they didn't want the competition. And particularly with Disney, from what I understand, their biggest beef was they weren't going to sell alcohol in the parks, and they were not about that. So, You know, they tried really hard to make that America thing happen, it seems. They, they went like from Virginia to North Carolina to South Carolina, and they were like, yeah, it's just not going to work out. Hey, but we got, we got we got great great moments with the Muppets or whatever that is. So it all works <laughs> out. We got monsters to clap for. Yeah, <laughs> it all comes back around. Well, ah, it's this one. Ah, <laughs> yeah, humans. <laughs> well, what joke he would text in in the line? <laughs> they probably wouldn't use joke. it because it'd probably be like either like mildly racist or inappropriate. <laughs> They wouldn't use his jokes. They wouldn't use Walt Disney's jokes. That's how bad Monsters, Inc. laugh floor is. They wouldn't even use Walt Disney's jokes. <laughs> oh, well, all that being said, I think that concludes this Mad Q party. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. It was our pleasure having you on. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the invite. And uh, it's nice to talk to other people from the Midwest for once. Yeah. Absolutely. It's uh -huh. definitely a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Price. Um, do you want to remind our listeners one more time where they can find your show online? Yeah, you can find it. Um, actually, the Wedway Radio Show, we're just transitioning it for a little bit. And, uh, you know, we hope to bring it back. Uh, maybe not in full force as it was years ago, but uh, at least some version of it. And then, of course, the 3028 is a weekly show. And you can find that on iTunes. That's basically where that is right now. Cool. Well, thanks again for joining us. It was fun. 
Well, that does it for another episode of the Mad Chatters podcast. Thanks again to Matt Parrish for joining us. Go check out the 3028. Lots of fun. Great show. Great chemistry with the hosts. And of course, you can find us on iTunes or on Instagram at Mad Chatters or on Twitter at Mad Chatters or on Facebook. And if you have any emails, send those to comments at madchatters.net. We'll see you next week. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Bye-bye now. Oh my gosh, guys. Haunted Mansion nativity sets. <gasps> we should totally make that for this. Well, just I mean, those three. Just you because have, they're the three wise the men. The three wise men. You got the the bride can be Mary. Oh, oh no. Uh, Bless. <laughs> that guy, oh, you guys got didn't like that idea. Okay. Like a little um, baby whose head is turning around on his head. <laughs> uh, the caretaker. He's not in the in- nativity. Never mind. I was thinking the in- innkeeper. No, he can be a shepherd. He's the shepherd, and the dog can be like a, the sheep. I I'm like telling you, they're going to be all the rage this Christmas. Okay. I once took some of the pineapple coconut bread off of someone else's table. Like while they were sitting there or after they left? After they left. I mean, it was just... He said, look over there. <laughs> just like, yeah. Just like shameful. Somebody at the table said they wanted more bread, so I just... I grabbed the bread and was like, "Here," and they didn't. T- they didn't even touch the loaf. It was like a whole loaf. They didn't even touch it. So why not? That you know of. Yeah. Do you remember a couple of years ago, Tim McGraw saying that? Was that? I think it was a Glenn Campbell song at the Oscars. Yes, because he, he had the Alzheimer's or, or the yes, yeah dementia or something. It was very yeah. sad. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I can't get over Jeremy's pronunciation of Alzheimer's there, but I'm a medical professional. I know how to say it. <laughs> True confessions. I can't say it right ever. So I just go with dementia and they're like, it's Alzheimer's. I'm like, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. That.